0: Section 30 of The Epidemics of the Middle Ages by Eustace Hecke. Translated by Benjamin Guy Babington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Sweating Sickness, Chapter 4, Part 2. Section 5 Sweating Sickness in Germany, 1529. These facts are sufficient for a preliminary sketch of the background on which moved the spectre of England to which we now return. How long this wedding sickness may have raged there after Henry the Eighth quitted his secluded place of refuge in order to return to his capital, no one has left any written account to show. That it spread very rapidly over the whole kingdom is decidedly to be presumed, and might probably still be easily ascertainable from the written records of different places. The notion that it did not rage violently in any town more than a few weeks, is justified by corresponding phenomena of more recent occurrence. Yet no doubt it continued to exist among the people, though in a mitigated degree, till the mild winter season. But there are not even the slightest data by which it can be made out that it was still in England during the summer of fifteen twenty nine. As an epidemic, it certainly existed no longer. Yet, on a consideration of the state of the air in that year, It is not to be denied that isolated cases of sweating fever may have appeared, for in pestilences of this kind, provided their original causes continue, there always occur some straggling cases. The sweating sickness did not advance westward to Ireland, nor did it pass the Scottish border. The historians, who would certainly have recorded so calamitous an event, are entirely silent respecting such an occurrence. The tragedy was, however, destined to be enacted elsewhere. Other nations were to play their part in it. Hamburg was the first place on the continent in which the sweating sickness broke out. Men's minds were still in great excitement there, in consequence of the events of the few preceding months. The Protestants had, after long and stormy contests, at length vanquished the Papists, Under the wise direction of Bugenhagen, the great work of Reformation was just completed. The monasteries were abolished, the monks dismissed, schools were established, and peace again returned with the enjoyment of ecclesiastical freedom. Just at this moment the dreaded pestilence, of which wonderful accounts had been so long and so often heard, unexpectedly made its appearance. It immediately excited, as it had ever done in England, general dismay, and before any instructions as to its treatment could be obtained, either from the English, or from Germans who had been in England, it destroyed daily from forty to sixty, and altogether within the space of twenty-two days, about eleven hundred inhabitants. For such was the number of coffins, which were this time manufactured by the undertakers. The duration of the great mortality, for thus we would designate the more violent raging of this pestilence, was, however, much shorter, and may be roughly estimated at about nine days, for from the fragment of a letter received from Hamburg, which was dispatched to Wittenberg on the 8th of August by a person who was at that time burgomaster, it appears that for some days past no one had died of the sweating fever, excepting one or two drunkards and that the citizens were then beginning to take breath again. We may thus judge from the unauthenticated account here mentioned that the disease lasted about a fortnight longer, and that the loss of lives amounted to two thousand. At all events, however, the pestilence manifested itself on the continent with the same malignity which was peculiar to it from the first, and if the assertion made at a distance respecting the mortality in Hamburg were overcharged, yet there certainly existed sufficient foundation for exaggerations of this sort, which are never wanting in times of such great danger. The historians of this, even at that time, powerful and civilized commercial town, have on the whole said but little regarding this important event, a circumstance easily explicable from the constant occupation of men's minds in religious affairs and from the well-known short visitation of the epidemic which like a transient meteor needed quick and cautious observation if any valuable information respecting the occurrence was to be transmitted to posterity some particulars of its first origin have however been preserved amid a mass of general assertions which convey no information Thus, it appears that the sweating sickness did not show itself in the town until a Captain Herman Evers, just about the time mentioned, the 25th of July, returned from England, bringing on board with him a number of young people, probably travelers as well as sailors, of whom at least twelve died of this disease within two days. According to another account, those who died were not taken ill in England but on the voyage, and the pestilence broke out after the rest of the crew had disembarked. On this point we have further a most respectable testimony to the fact that the night after the landing of Herman Evers, four men died in Hamburg of the sweating sickness. If we examine a little more closely these very valuable accounts, the credibility of which there is no reason to doubt, it must especially be taken into account, that at this time the sweating sickness had ceased to exist as an epidemic in England for at least half a year, that its appearance in single cases, although not contradictory to general views, is nevertheless by no means borne out by proof from historical evidence, and that thus it is a gratuitous and unsupported assumption that the return of Herman Evers's crew was connected with any sweating sickness at all in England. If we consider, on the other hand, that the North Sea, even in ordinary years, is very foggy, so that owing to the prevalence of northwest winds, it precipitates very heavy rain clouds over Germany, and if we bear in mind that in the year 1529 it produced far heavier fogs than usual, we shall perceive in its waters the principal cause why the English sweating sickness was then developed in its greatest violence, and we may thence assume with a greater degree of probability that this pestilence broke out among the crew of herman evers spontaneously and without any connection with england in the same way perhaps as it did formerly on board of henry the seventh fleet this supposition is strengthened by the circumstance that the ships of those times were excessively filthy and the kind of life spent on board them was independently of the wretched provision uncomfortable in the highest degree nay almost unsupportable so that even in short voyages the scurvy which was the dread of sailors in those days was a very common occurrence finally we still possess the most distinct accounts that unusual occurrences took place in the north seas thus during lent it was observed with astonishment at staten that porpoises came in numbers up the as far as the bridge and that the baltic cast on its shores many dead animals of this kind so that we are fully justified in concluding that there existed at that time a more intense development than usual of morbific influences in the marine atmosphere with respect however to the influence which the companions of hermann evers impregnated as they were with the odor of the sweating sickness had on the inhabitants of hamburg it cannot be denied that their intercourse with those inhabitants in the filthy and narrow lanes of that commercial city may have given an impulse to the eruption of the pestilence, so far as to make the already existing fuel more inflammable, or to furnish the first sparks for its ignition. Yet it is equally undeniable that under the existing circumstances the epidemic sweating sickness would have broken out in Germany even without the presence of Captain Evers. Although it might perhaps have been some weeks later and not have made its first appearance in Hamburg, whose inhabitants, owing to the constant prevalence of the North Sea fog, were to all appearance already prepared for the first reception of this fatal disease. To determine to a day when epidemics which have been long in preparation have broken out is, even for an observer who is present, exceedingly difficult nay, sometimes, under the most favorable circumstances, impossible. For there occur in these visitations certain transitions into the epidemic form of diseases which are allied to it, as well as a gradual conversion into it of morbid phenomena which have usually begun some time before. Unless we are greatly mistaken, such was the case in the pestilence of which we are now treating although it must be confessed that we can obtain no precise information on this point from the physicians of those times. The following statements, for the absolute precision of which we cannot pledge ourselves after a lapse of three hundred years, must therefore be judged according to this general experience. And though singly they may prove little, yet taken altogether, they are capable of demonstrating the peculiar and almost wonderful manner in which the sweating fever spread over Germany. In Lübeck, the next city in the Baltic, the sweating sickness appeared about the same time. For so early as the Friday before St. Peter in Vinculis, 30th of July, it was known that on the preceding night a woman had died of it. On the following days cases of death fearfully increased, and the disorder soon raged so violently that people were again reminded of the Black Death of 1349. The inhabitants died without number, as well in the city as in the environs, and the consternation was equal to that felt in Hamburg. In general, as was everywhere the case, robust young people of the better classes were affected, while on the other hand, children and poor people living in cellars and garrets, almost all of them escaped now one might either on the supposition of a progressive alteration in the atmosphere such as occurs in the influenza or on that of a communication of the disease from man to man which however cannot be considered as a principal cause of this epidemic have expected a gradual extension of the sweating sickness from hamburg and lubeck to the surrounding country this did not however in fact take place for the disease next broke out at Twickau, at the foot of the Erzgebirge, distant from Hamburg fifty German miles, and without having previously visited the rich commercial city of Leipzig. By the 14th of August, nineteen persons who had died of it were buried at Twickau, and on one of the following nights, above a hundred sickened. Whence it is to be deduced that the pestilence was severe at that place. Possibly the great storm of the tenth of August may have given an impulse to the development of this very remarkable epidemic. For a highly electrical state of the atmosphere increases the susceptibility for diseases. It is likewise not to be overlooked that on the twenty fourth of August, while the sky was overcast, there came on an insufferable heat which must have debilitated the body after such long continued cold wet weather. At all events, in the beginning of september we find that the sweating fever broke out at the same time at stetten danzig and other prussian cities at augsburg far to the south on the other side of the danube at cologne on the rhine at strasbourg at frankfurt on the main at marburg at Göttingen and at hanover the position of these cities gives an impressive notion of the extent of country of which the english sweating sickness took possession as it were by a magic stroke it was like a violent conflagration which spread in all directions the flames however did not issue from one focus but rose up everywhere as if self ignited and whilst all this occurred in germany and prussia the inhabitants of other northern countries denmark norway and sweden perhaps also lithuania poland and russia were likewise visited by this violent disease the malady appeared in stetten on the thirty first of august among the servants of the duke on the first of september the duchess herself sickened in common with many people about the court and burgesses in the city a few days afterwards several thousands were affected by the disease so that there was not a street from which some corpses were not daily carried out. This dreadful period of terror, however, did not last much longer than a week, for about the 8th of September the pestilence abated in its violence, so as no longer to be regarded with terror, and after this time only a few isolated cases occurred. On the same day, namely the 1st of September, the disease appeared in Danzig, Fifty German miles further to the eastward, and was here also so destructive that it carried off in a short time three thousand inhabitants. Some say even six thousand, but this seems certainly too high an estimate for Danzig, and probably includes the greater part of Prussia. If we were to give credence to an anonymous reporter, this plague abated in five days and relieved the inhabitants from the mortal anxiety which, until they recovered their senses, led them everywhere to commit acts of injustice and injury to avert the danger. In Augsburg we find the sweating sickness on the 6th of September. It lasted there also only six days, affected about 1,500 of the inhabitants, and destroyed more than half that number, or, as it is said, about 800. At Cologne it appeared precisely at the same time, as we learn from the expressions of the Count von Nevenar, a prelate of that place who finished his account of this disorder on the 7th of September. At Strasbourg it broke out some ten or twelve days earlier, namely on the 24th of August. In this place about 3,000 people sickened in one week, but very few of them died. At Frankfurt on the Main, they were holding the autumn fair, which began on the 7th of September, just at the time when the sweating sickness prevailed. Once arose the opinion, which has been broached again in more modern times, that the traders, on their return, carried the disease thence throughout the whole of Germany, and that in the intercourse by means of the fair the main cause of the spread of the epidemic was to be found. After the facts which have been brought forward, such a narrow view needs no refutation. The sweating sickness was fleeter than the conveyance of goods and people, which at that time made their way along the pathless and unbeaten roads, for, quote, no sooner did a rumor of the approach of the disease reach any place than the disease itself accompanied it, End quote. Between the boundaries which have been indicated, only a few isolated towns and villages escaped, and there are probably few of the chronicles of that age so prolific of great events, in which the dreadful scourge of the year 1529 is not expressly mentioned. Yet this sweating fever, like other great epidemics, spread doubtless very unequally, and it is ascertained that the further south it extended, the milder it was upon the whole. And also that all those places where it broke out late, suffered beyond comparison less than those which were visited early in september and in the latter part of august for not to lay much stress on the sultry heat from the twenty-fourth of august which probably did not last long the chief cause of its great malignity at first was the violent method resorted to in the treatment of the sick the inapplicability of which was fortunately soon perceived only one citizen was affected with this sweating sickness in Marburg, and even he recovered. Whilst at Leipzig, the pestilence either never broke out at all, or very much later, perhaps in October or November, for the physicians of that place gave it clearly to be understood in their pamphlets that they knew nothing of the disease from their own observations, And no sooner did the report get abroad that the dreaded enemy had not penetrated within the walls of this commercial city than crowds of fugitives came thither from far and near in order to seek protection and security, although the place in itself was by no means fitted for a place of refuge, for the swampy atmosphere which rose from the city ditches begot even in those days in the narrow and dark streets many lingering diseases section 6 in the netherlands it is remarkable that the netherlands were visited by the sweating fever full four weeks later although the commercial intercourse with england if we were to attach any special importance to this circumstance was far more considerable than that of the german cities in the north sea it appeared for the first time in amsterdam on the 27th of september in the forenoon whilst the city was enveloped in a thick fog and just at the same time perhaps a day earlier in antwerp where on the twenty ninth of september they made a solemn procession in order by prayer to avert greater harm from the city for in the last days of september four to five hundred people died of the english sweating sickness at that place it might have been supposed that the damp soil of Holland and its impenetrable fogs would invite the pestilence much earlier than the high and serene country between the Alps and the Danube, or the far distant land of Prussia. But the development of epidemics follows no human calculation or medical views. In the towns around Amsterdam the sweating fever appears not to have broken out until the mortality had ceased in that city, that is to say, five days after the 27th of September so that we cannot be far wrong in assuming that in the latter end of that month, and the commencement of October, it had spread over the whole territory of the Netherlands, including Belgium. Alkmaar and Waterland remained free, as doubtless had been the case with particular places both in England and Germany. The exceedingly short time that this wedding sickness lasted in the different places that it visited was as astonishing as its original appearance for since it raged in Amsterdam for only five days, and not much longer as we have shown in Antwerp and many German towns, it could hardly have continued more than fifteen days in any other places, thus displaying the same peculiarity on this occasion by which it had already been marked in its former visitations. This short period, however, must not be understood to include the sporadic occurrence of the disease, Otherwise, as a contemporary of credit assures us, that the sweating sickness attacked some persons twice and others three or even four times, we might thence conclude that although perhaps in some places the pestilence did, after raging for a certain number of days, suddenly cease, so that no isolated cases afterwards occurred, yet that the general duration of its prevalence was longer than has been stated. Section 7. Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. The eruption of the sweating sickness in Denmark took place at the latter end of September, and on the twenty-ninth of that month, 400 of the inhabitants died of it in Copenhagen. Elsinore was likewise severely visited, and probably about the same time, most of the towns and villages in that kingdom. But the accounts on this subject in the Danish Chronicles are extremely defective. As owing to the extraordinary rapidity of this mortal malady, contemporary writers neglected to record, for the information of posterity, the details of a phenomenon which there, as in other countries, must certainly have been striking from its general prevalence. Even from the imperfect notices that were given respecting it, thus much, however, is clearly perceptible, that it was the same well-known disease as elsewhere, which was now observed to pass through Denmark. In proof of this, it was principally young and strong people, as had been originally the case in England, who sickened, the old and infirm being less affected. And in the course of four and twenty hours, or at most within two days, question mark, the life or death of the patient was decided. At the same period as in Denmark, the sweating sickness spread over the Scandinavian peninsula, and was productive of the same violent symptoms in the sick, the same terror, and the same mortal anguish in those who were affected by it, not only in the capital of Sweden, where Magnus Eriksson, brother of King Gustavus Vasa, died of it, but also over the whole kingdom and in Norway. The northern historians gave graphic accounts of it, which on a careful examination of manuscript documents, might perhaps gain still more in coloring and spirit the sweating sickness likewise penetrated into lithuania poland and livonia if not into a part of russia we know only in a general way but doubtless there are written documents still in existence in these countries which only need some careful inquirer to bring them to light in the meantime however it is to be presumed from the early appearance of the disorder in prussia that it prevailed in those countries at the same time as in Germany, Denmark, and the Scandinavian peninsula. No certain trace is anywhere to be discovered that the sweating sickness appeared so late as December 1529, or in January of the following year, so that after having lasted upon the whole a quarter of a year, it disappeared everywhere without leaving behind it any sign of its existence, or giving rise to the development of any other diseases. Among these it pursued its course as a comet among planets, without interfering either with the French hunger fever or the Italian pittacule fever, proving a striking example to all succeeding ages of those general shocks to which the lives of the human race are subject, and a fearful scourge to the generation which it visited. End of section 30